In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, wonderful being. Through the grace of God, we will study tonight chapter 13, which is the last chapter from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. First, I will give summary to the chapter, and then we will study it verse by verse. It is a small chapter, just 14 verses. In this chapter, St. Paul makes his final comments regarding his third visit to Corinth. And he encouraged them to examine themselves to see whether they are in faith or not. And he is praying for them that they do not do any evil, but do only what is honorable and to be made complete. Then actually he closes this chapter and the whole letter by some exhortations, actually give them four advices, and if they follow these advices, this will ensure that God of love and peace will be with them. And this is a very good lesson to us. If we follow these four advices, then God of love and God of peace will be with us. This is the center of the chapter, and now we'll start reading it verse by verse. Verse 1, this will be the third time I am coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Actually, if you read the book of Acts, you will find only two visits were recorded. One visit in Acts chapter 18, and the other visit, visit in uh, chapter 20. So this means there was an intermediate visit between these two visits. Because St. Paul told them this visit will be the third one. So the third one is the one which is recorded in Acts chapter 20. And the first one in Acts chapter 18. So this means there was another visit, intermediate visit, but was not recorded in the book of Acts. And after he told them, this is my third visit to you, he actually quote a verse from Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, when he said, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. And actually, different scholars have different interpretation of why St. Paul used this verse here. What was in his mind? And actually, there are two explanations. 
Corinth had some false apostles and some offenders. So St. Paul is telling them, this is my third visit to you. And I'm coming this time actually to discipline and to punish the offender. But when I will discipline them or punish them, I will be very fair. I will use justice. And if by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. So every offense will be disciplined, but the trials will be legal. Two or three witnesses will establish a charge. This is the first explanation. But some other scholars said, when St. Paul said by two or three witnesses, every word shall be established, he is referring to his two or three visits. He already visited them twice, and now this is the third visit. So as if he is telling them, by the third visit, I established the truth of the fact and leaked against the offender. Or I will establish this, the reality of his threats. Because St. Paul threatened that this time when he goes, he will not spare. This time he will march. This time he will discipline. So as if he is telling them, if every word will be established by the mouth of two or three, now I endure you for three times. So in the third time, I will not spare because now every offense actually took a, a fair chance. And I gave them chance to repent, but they did not repent. So I'm coming now to show you the truth of the facts about the uh, accusation that made by the offenders or by the false apostles. But I personally, I prefer the first explanation that he is saying, uh, I will punish every offense and every uh, trespass, but this will be very fair, uh, the trial will be very fair and will be legal. Any charge should be established by a witness, two or three witnesses at least. Verse 2, I have told you before and foretell as if I were present at the second time and now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest, that if I come again, I will not spare. Sir Paul told them, when I was visiting you during my second visit, I told you that I will not spare the offenders if they did not repent. I will punish them. And now I am putting it in writing. 
that when I come again, I will not spare the offenders. So he said that, as I told you before, when I visited you during my second visit, and now while I am absent, I'm writing to you that those who sent before, those who sent before my second visit, because when I came to the second visit, I told you this about those who sent. And the rest, the rest means those who sent after my second visit, or those who are in danger of uh, being offenders. Now I'm telling you, if I come again, I will not spare. I will punish and discipline. But Samuel understand that his punishment or discipline has a very clear goal, which is to edify, to lead them to repentance. As he actually said in the, in the chapter, uh, my authority, I am using it not for destruction, but for edification. So when he disciplines, when he punishes, he uses authority for edification, not for destruction. Verse 3. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you. One of the accusations against St. Paul, they said about him that in his letters, he is strong. But when he comes, he is kind, he is weak. And when they compared St. Paul with the false apostles, the false apostles were strong in, in, in disciplining and in punishing. But St. Paul was kind and he chose to endure and to have patience and long suffering like the Lord Jesus Christ. But they accused him that he doesn't have the proof of his authority. Because if he has authority, he would discipline and would punish. So St. Paul told them in verse 3, since you seek a proof of Christ, you are seeking the evidence that I have authority, a proof that I am apostle. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, actually, this proof is not weak toward you, but mighty in you, because it appeared in establishing the church, in preaching Christ to you, in all the miracles and in all the wonders that I performed among you. But all of this was not enough to you. You want me to use my apostolic authority to discipline and to punish, and here only you will say that I am an apostle of Christ. So, since some of you denied my apostleship, now actually I will give you the proof of Christ uh, through me. This time when I come, I will not spare. Although long ago, Christ has shown 
great proofs of his power by me among you. But this was not enough for you. So now when I come, I will use my authority to discipline and to uh, punish. Verse 4. Now St. Paul is taking the Lord Jesus Christ as an example. Because they said, they said about St. Paul, he is weak. So he said, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, many people actually perceived him as weak, as he perceived me now as weak. But as Jesus Christ rose in power and might, the same power is working in me and working in every Christian. That's what he said in verse 4. For though he, Christ, was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Christ submitted himself unto death with his own will, choosing the weakness of mortality when he chose to die. But by the power of God, he rose from the death on the third day. So, as Christ appeared weak, in the same way we appear weak by accepting the same suffering of Christ, by partaking in this suffering for his sake. But actually, as Christ rose, we also shall live with him. And with the power of the resurrection of Christ, with this power, we will exercise our apostolic authority against the offenders. And this power and this authority flow to us in respect to you from the power of God. So God gave me this authority and empowered me to discipline and to punish the offenders among you. Verse 5. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. St. Paul here wants to give them two, message, two messages. The first message he is telling them, now I am coming to punish. So it is better to examine yourself. Let there be self-examination. But also, he is telling them, instead of examining me and seeking proof of Christ in me, it's better to examine yourself. If you are interested to take the speck out of my eye, it's better to remove the beam first from your own eye. So this should be your first aim 
to examine yourself rather than seeking a proof of Christ speaking in me. Examine yourself. See whether you are in faith or not. Whether you are in Christ or not. And actually this advice, we should, all of us, we should listen to it. And we should do self-examination to see whether we are in faith, whether we are living the faith in which we believe or not, whether we are abiding in Christ or not. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ in you? St. Paul is telling them, if Jesus is in you, Actually, you wouldn't seek a proof that I am the Apostle of Christ. If Jesus is in you, you would know that I am an Apostle of Christ. So, if you find Christ dwelling in yourself, you will believe that he speaks also in me and I am his Apostle. And Christ should dwell in you. Christ must be in you. Because through the sacraments of the church, he told us, he who eats my body and drinks my blood, abides in me and I in him. The only reason that Christ will not be in you, if you are disqualified. Disqualified because of the sinful life in which you are living. Because of the no repentance status in which you are uh, living. So Christ must dwell in you unless you are disqualified because of your infidelity. Verse uh, 6 But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. So St. Paul is telling me, if Christ abiding in you, you will know that I am an apostle of Christ. You will know that I am not disqualified, but I have the apostolic authority. Unless you, you yourselves, you are disqualified, then you will doubt my apostolic authority. Christ dwells in those who are qualified, those who did not reject him, those who obeyed his commandments, those who are living by the power of the Spirit. And the power of Christ uh, will show them that St. Paul is qualified, is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ the power of Christ that he will display when he comes is the power of Christ which St. Paul will display in his third visit by disciplining and punishing the offender will show that St. Paul himself is also not disqualified. So this verse actually implies a threatening, a threat. When I come, you will know for sure that I am not disqualified because 
I will not spare. I will punish the offenders. So the proof that you are seeking, I will show it to you during this visit. But after St. Paul said, I will not spare, I will punish, I will discipline. St. Paul from verse 7 to 10 wanted to tell them, but actually my heart does not agree with this. I prefer to use gentleness. I prefer to use kindness rather than disciplining and punishing. So, let us think about it this way. If everybody repented in chorus, so when St. Paul goes there, he will find everybody repented. So he will not discipline anybody. He will not punish anybody. And this actually will work against him because they want to see the evidence of his authority only in punishing. But if everybody repented, St. Paul will not have this chance to show himself as powerful, as authoritative in the Lord Jesus Christ. But St. Paul told them, you know what? It is better for me to perceive me as disqualified, to perceive me as weak, to perceive me as I have no authority. And you repent, this much better than you do not repent and I punish and I prove to you my authority. And this is the heart of a shepherd. How he doesn't care about defending himself. He prefers and chose to be accused as weak, as has no authority, and everybody repents, rather than defend himself and show his authority, and the people actually they fall in sin. That's what he said from verse 7 to 10. Verse 7. Now I pray to God that you do no evil. Not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable. Though we may seem disqualified. So St. Paul is telling them, I pray that you do no evil. I'm not praying for an opportunity to show to you that I have authority. I'm not praying for this. But I'm praying that you do only what's honorable. Even if the cost is, I will seem to you as disqualified. The unfinalness. So, if they should do evil, St. Paul's display of power would show that he was not disqualified. But St. Paul said, I do not pray that will make me approved. I'm not praying that you continue in evil, so when I come, you will know that I am not disqualified. When I restrain you from doing evil, but actually I am praying for you to do only what's honorable. I am praying that you do, you do no evil, to do what's only right. Verse 8. 
For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. St. Paul, if he went there, and he found everybody walking in the truth, and everybody repented. St. Paul will not actually abuse his authority and use the authority against these innocent people or these repentant people just to show them their authority. So he told them, I assure you that we do, not, we do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. So if everybody repented, I'm not going to use my authority. And I'm fine with this. Do not be afraid. Maybe some of you are concerned that I will use my authority regardless whether you repented or you do not repent. No. I only desire to promote the truth. I only desire to promote the truth. Verse 9. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray that you may be made complete. St. Paul is telling them our apostolic authority is given to us only to use it for the promotion, for the furtherness of the truth, not against the truth. Even if you appear weak and you appear strong, I am glad. As he said it, for we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Weak means here I have no occasion or no opportunity to display the power of my apostolic authority. Because again, if everybody repented, there will be no occasion to display the power of his authority. So they will say he is weak. But St. Paul said, told them, if you are strong through your repentance, strong in your faith, strong because you carry the fruit of uh, the Holy Spirit, and we are weak because I have no occasion to display the power of my absolute authority, I am happy. I am glad. Because I am praying for your complete restoration and transformation. I am praying that you will be made complete, perfect, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Verse 10, Therefore, I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. So Paul is saying, I am writing to you right now, before I come and visit you, to give you opportunity to repent, to give you opportunity to do no evil. Because I prefer when I come to visit you that I do not use any sharpness. I prefer not to use any sharpness. That's why I'm writing in advance that when I come, 
I will not use this authority. Or I, I use the power of God to discipline. Although I understand this power is given for edification, not for destruction. And here just I want to speak a little bit about authority. When God gave authority, either to a priest in a church, or to a bishop in the diocese, or to a husband to be the head of the wife, or parent in the family, or a manager in business, you should know that this authority is given to you to protect and to edify, not to abuse. This authority is given to you to serve others, not to be served by others. Unfortunately, many people don't understand this concept of authority. Authority to edify, authority to protect. So, when we say the husband is the head of the wife, the man is the head of the woman, this authority actually to protect the wife, to edify her. Before he demands submission, he actually provides protection, provides love. Thus, you know, the submission will come as a natural fruit of this uh, authority. St. Paul knows that even if he used sharpness for discipline, but he understands he is using this sharpness only to edify, not to destroy. But although I understand that I will use sharpness for edify, not for destruction, but I prefer to use sharpness only in my letters. When I come, I prefer to use gentleness and kindness. This passage, actually, these four verses, are one of the most wonderful verses to show us the heart of St. Paul as a real good shepherd following the footsteps of his masters. He prefers to appear as if he is disqualified or as if he is weak rather than to use his authority and appear as strong and, and, and powerful. Then from verse 11 to 14, that is the final greetings and benediction. He told them, finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. He gives them here four advices. But before this, he told them, Farewell. The word farewell actually in Greek means also rejoice. And if you read this verse in Arabic, it's the But in Arabic means the which actually, because the Greek word can be translated either farewell or can be translated rejoice. Thus, actually, in bidding farewell, he returned to his starting point. In the first chapter, 
he talked to them, we are helpers of your job. We are helpers of your job. So now he's concluding the letter by saying, rejoice. We, we are helping you to rejoice in the Lord, and I say again, rejoice. Then he gives them four advices. The first one, be complete. Be complete. What does it mean? By filling up what is lacking in your Christian character. You should examine yourself and to see what is lacking in your Christian character. Maybe you are lacking humbleness. Maybe you are lacking charity. Maybe you are lacking gentleness. Maybe you are lacking uh, to be a peacemaker. And you need actually to fulfill what is lacking in your Christian character. Number two, the second advice. Be of good comfort. St. Paul is telling them, if you listen to all my advices in this letter, you will have consolation in your heart. You will be comforted. So, obey the word of God, obey his commandments, and be of good comfort. That is the only way to have comfort in your heart when you obey the commandments. God. Number three, be of one mind. Think the same. Corinth had divisions. They were four parties. Supporting them, no. Think the same. Let there be no dissensions among you. Let there be no dissensions among you. And the fourth advice, live in peace. Follow peace. Pursue peace. Be a peacemaker. Try to reconcile people together. And you yourself should be a peacemaker. So be complete, be of good comfort, be of one mind, and live in peace. Because if you follow these four advices, what is the truth? God will be among you. God of peace and love will be with you. But if you do not follow these advices, and you will are full of contention, dissension, discord, then peace will have no place among you. If you are divided against yourselves, peace and love will have no place among you. And if there is no peace, and if there is no love, then God does not exist among this group. Love cannot live, neither exist, where there are divisions and contentions. And where there is no peace, no love, then God cannot be there. The grace of God, the blessings of God, cannot be there. And actually, if God is not there, then who will be there in the dead? If God is not among them, then the devil will be among them. So their assembly will be assembly of, of the people and the devil, not the people with God. Verse 12, greet one another with a holiness. He is giving them advice how to live in peace with one another, how to live the spirit of friendship 
live among you. How shall we consign with one another? And he used holy kiss because kiss can be used as expression of lust or kiss can be used as expression of deceit like Judas Iscariot when he betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ with the kiss. That's why he told them with a holy kiss, not the kiss of the traitor and not the kiss of uh, lust. And the church used this greeting, greet one another with the holy kiss, and actually used it in the divine liturgy. And this was one of the apostolic canons mentioned in the apostolic constitution. In the divine liturgy, in the Eucharist, we should actually greet one another with the Holy Kiss as a sign of reconciliation, because if we are not reconciled with one another, we cannot be reconciled with God. Only on the Passion Week, from Wednesday to Saturday, we don't use the kiss of peace in commemoration of Judas' kiss, which was a kiss of a traitor. Verse uh, 13, all the saints greet you. Most probably he is referring to the Christian of Macedonia or Philippi, from which he wrote this epistle. When he said all the saints, he means the Christian of Macedonia or Philippi. Then the benediction, verse 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and when the poor use God, he actually refers to the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This benediction proves the doctrine of the triune God, that God three hypostasis in one, trinity in unity, trinity in unity. He spoke about the grace of the Son, the love of the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Usually when we mention the trinity, we mention the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But St. Paul actually started by the Son, then the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Trinity can be mentioned in any order, because the three are one. There is no supremacy in, 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 in the Holy Trinity, so they can be mentioned in any order. Why is that Paul start by the grace of Christ? Because only by the grace of Christ we come to know the love of the Father. Without the grace of Christ, we wouldn't know the love of the Father. The grace of Christ revealed to us how much the Father loved us. That started by the grace of Christ and the love of the Father. Uh, and as I said, the variety in order, he mentioned the Son before the Father, proves that in the Trinity, none is a for or after other. There is no certain order because the three are equal and the three are one. Then, for the Holy Spirit, he used the word communion of the Holy Spirit. 
Communion means fellowship of the Holy Spirit, participation in the same Spirit, who joins us all in one church. Each one of us receives the Holy Spirit, and by all of us receiving the Holy Spirit, then all of us will become members in the body of Christ. So all of us who are participating in the same Spirit, the same Spirit actually dwells in all of us. The same Spirit joins all of us in one church, the body of Christ. And as the three hypostases are inseparable, we cannot separate them, so actually, whoever has the fellowship of the Spirit has also the grace of the Son and the love of the Father. And as the Holy Spirit is inseparable, these three gifts cannot be uh, separated in us. You cannot have one without the other. If you have the grace, then you will come to know the love of the Father, and then actually you will enter into the communion of the Holy Spirit. So whoever has the fellowship of the Spirit has also the grace of the Son and the love of the Father, because we are inseparable, and the Holy Trinity is also inseparable. Glory be to God forever and ever.